0: Please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Doug and Jesse King.
1: Welcome, everybody. You're listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, and we're just coming off of a fantastic week of the convention. I think that um, everybody who was able to make it up to Atlanta had a great time and had some fun shooting the zombies on Friday night and the poker tournament, and then Saturday having all the lectures, the vendor tables. It was really a great experience. And and we have a special guest in studio with us today who was at the convention this last weekend, uh,
2: Doug Craig. I know that you were scouting out the convention. Why were you there? Well, we we want to make sure. That the, the, the gun folks know that the Libertarian Party is there for, to protect gun rights. We've worked at the, uh, the Georgia Kerry Convention, I believe, five out of the last seven years. And typically, we're the only political party that shows up. I very rarely see the Republicans there. Were they there this year? Uh, There was somebody there set up to uh, get some folks to go to a uh, a gun event, some kind of fundraiser. But as far as the National Party or State Party, I did not see them there. So here's the Libertarian
1: Party of Georgia, supporting GeorgiaCarry.org, supporting gun rights, coming out to meet people, greet
2: people, have fun at the convention. What did you do at the convention other than work at the booth? Well, we sit there and talked. We had a little quiz to see what, what political party. Amazing, almost everybody who took the quiz except for one uh, scored Libertarian, and the other guy was kind of Libertarian-Republican. Um, we had a good chance to talk to Tom Taylor, one of the state House reps that were there, a little bit about ballot access. Mm-hmm. But mostly it was just kind of meet and greet and kind of hang out and talk guns, you know, which most Libertarians, I believe there was a uh, survey done by the Atlanta Journal a few years ago um, and it asked each political party who owned guns. And for Democrats, it was like 50% of the people owned guns. For Republicans, it was 80% of everybody they called on guns. When they call libertarians, literally one hundred percent of all libertarians had a gun in their home so it's um, we, we take guns very seriously and we'd like to think that we take it more seriously than the Republican Party. Um, one of the things we like to see going forward is a constitutional carry We don't want to keep seeing bites and bits we want to see the entire package
1: well, that would be something that you know we we've, we've worked on as an organization for years and the, the the general argument is that when you go to the legislature when you deal with uh, concerned business owners and they say well i don 't want just anybody carrying a gun. You can turn around and say well it isn 't just anybody it 's somebody who's passed a background check who's has the lowest uh, rate of criminal activity of any denominate or of uh, any group in the U.S., including police officers, and it gives you a little bit of an argument with those naysayers. And then at some point when we have, you know, controlled the legislature into the point where we have everything we want, we can switch to constitutional carry and then open up the doors for for more freedom. That's like the, the overall argument. But I agree with you wholeheartedly that constitutional carry is constitutional and is necessary, and I came from a state where it was already the law of the land. Up in Alaska, you don't have to have a permit
2: to carry. I always thought it was funny, probably 10 or 15 years ago, if you had asked people in Georgia how we ranked on gun liberty... And most of them would have said, oh, we're awesome, we're great. And then you would start explaining that people like, you know, New Hampshire had better gun laws. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and they would be like, really? And you're like, yes, we're actually not in the top ten. Or um, even even if you can get a permit in California, you're better off with the permit
1: in California than you were with a permit in Georgia. Now, yes. getting that permit was a different matter. But if you
2: were lucky enough to get a permit in California, you could carry a lot more places than you could carry here. We have in the Libertarian Party been very, very happy with Georgia Carry's progress. Though. We have been... You know, the ability for me to be able to carry a MARTA is a big deal. To be able to go to a state park when I'm out camping to have my gun. So we've been very excited. So I don't want to complain too loud, but at the end of the day, <laughs> we do want constitutional carry. At the end of the day, we shouldn't request permission for our God-given rights to protect ourselves. Well, you mentioned MARTA and some
1: of the things. Before we got started today, we were talking a little bit about ballot access, which I know is an issue near and dear to your heart, and and just interacting with authority. And I think that that's a really important issue for not only gun owners, but Georgians and generals and every American citizen to consider is how do we interact with authority, and how do we take... the these fights further on down the road and you were talking now you're a business owner yes and you have employees
2: and your employees have a different interaction with authority than say you or I do yeah, It's a little different my city uh, my shop is in East Point so it's a little bit more the uh, minority area poor area so you know my guys if you talk to them they definitely would be treated different if they were open carrying mm-hmm. you know if they didn't have to have a permit and they were open carrying I do believe there's some issues in some training that would have to happen over time But what happens, though, they get treated different by the police. And um, as we all know, I think it was what the Munford Act was uh, passed in California because minorities open and carrying. And Ronald Reagan was one of the first people to sign the restriction of gun rights. in California was basically to stop minorities from open carrying and protecting themselves. And I'd like to be able to see law-abiding minorities um, or anybody in general be able to carry. But I do think there would be some concern there would be a curve there. But at the end of the day, I believe that the inner city would be safer. The suburbs would be safer. The country would be safer if we had constitutional carry,
1: and that's something that you know Georgia carry has really been a a leader in in talking about these issues. Because when we first got started, you know, we had the public gathering law, and that was a very Big, sticky mess, because basically if you had more than two people gathered together, it could be a public gathering, and could you carry there or not? It was up to the law enforcement who showed up. But that law came out of Jim Crow laws that came out of disarming minorities and keeping them from protecting themselves when they were voicing their, their First Amendment rights. And so this is something that, and MARTA is an extension of that. We see you know, a high proportion of minority use of MARTA, but then, of course, MARTA s- sanctions itself often says this is going to be a place where you can't defend yourself. And these are rights that, you know, maybe you know people who are, are in, in the upper crust of society don't have to worry about as much, but they also aren't getting the lobbying voice that they need in the legislature to make sure that you can carry on MARTA, that
2: you have your rights protected in a police encounter, and that you're treated fairly and equally. You know, I think you could probably make the argument that it's maybe even more important that somebody in East Point or College Park has the ability to carry if they're a law-abiding citizen, because of the crime rate being significantly higher. If you're a single mom and you're having to walk to the MARTA station and you've got a job, and people in the town know you have a job, you become a target. But if they also know that you're carrying a nine millimeter, it's going to help minimize that, that them wanting to to tackle you and take your money. Absolutely. And then we start to think about
1: you know the other implications of having a license you know there's the licensing fee used to be a lot higher and it was every five years you had to pay the background check and fingerprinting fee and so the fee was very high at one point point. and for you or me or you know someone living in downtown buckhead you know a hundred dollars every five years that's nothing but when you're living paycheck to paycheck in east point or downtown atlanta or in griffin or, or college park or any of these other cities and you're making it just you know and you're looking at oh do i have the five bucks this week to put gas in the car that could be a prohibiting factor that keeps you from exercising your right to self-defense or turns you into a criminal because you're going to carry anyway because it's
2: better to be judged by 12 than carried by 6. Well, the other problem is also is taking the time off because typical government, they're not there to be open past work hours. So you've (laughs) got to get down there and take care of all your paperwork. And I believe it took me two days of not being at work to make sure I could get my George, you know, my carry license, or try try even being open during business hours because you got to be there
1: by three yes. thirty to be, so that they can leave at four thirty on Friday. Uh, I mean, we ran into that just this last week. The last week's show, we tried calling a couple of government officials to get an answer about why they weren't going to issue a permit to somebody, and we got bounced around an hour in here we fortunately for everyone listening we edited most of that dead time out but
2: i mean it's impossible to get things done in a timely manner well and there's no repercussions i mean to them you know if, if i was if i'm selling gutters i want to sell as many gutters as i can the folks who are issuing gun permits really are not interested in issuing more gun permits i mean mm-hmm. they're not interested in, in you know at all you know service and they'd rather be able to sit there in the you know the state building and not do anything yeah well you know it's human nature to if you if you
1: are in a communist system where everything is doled out based on your need rather than your work product what are you going to do as little as possible so how how do we how do we fix this Doug? i mean where do we go to start making changes Statewide, that we can see some of these things happen.
2: Well, I mean, obviously, you guys are doing a great job. Uh, the Libertarian Party, our first time we've ever uh, actually went down and lobbied was last year, so we're we're actually getting into the lobbying game, I and mean, we want to go down and help guys like you guys, you know, lobby to get better gun bills. And your your goals and our goals align in a lot of issues. Oh, absolutely. Usually, people understand, you know, freedom. I mean, just they understand the raw part of freedom. That you know, you just want to be left alone. You don't want to be what to be told what to do by the state. You know, obviously. You know, you're going to work with your family, you're going to work with friends, but at the end of the day, the state does not need to tell me how to run my life and how to protect myself, how to defend my family, and how to raise my children, how to how to earn a living. And right now we have way too much permission permission asking going on. No, I live in a free country. I have all the licenses and
1: permits for Yes, absolutely, it. and it is yeah, amazing.
3: You got all those for free, right? You didn't <laughs> have to pay for any of them? Well, well,
1: you know, some of them have a little fee here and there.
3: little fee yeah. every five years that you have to pay to renew it? Or
2: like, like 38% of all my salary. It's, um, we had OSHA show up at our shop a couple of, well, it's been about four months ago, OSHA showed up and they were there to inspect the hearing issues that we had our shop. We run a sheet metal shop and I'm like, great, come on in. We'll look at it. Well, they come to find out they once they realized we had no problem with hearing that we had all the safety stuff in place, they started looking at other issues and Mm -hmm. we do what's called soldering with work with lead. Well, they go back there and I had bought my guys high end breathing apparatus. Well, because they were high end and not the low end, we had a mandatory one-hour training on telling them how to put it on and take it off. We had not done one hour. We'd only done 20 minutes. Mm. And now we could have bought the really cheap ones that hardly work, and we would have been fine. So we ended up getting fined $7,000 for providing our guys with better, better breathing. Equipment. And I asked them, how do we solve this? Go back to the cheap mask. So they end up putting my guys in danger if I follow what they did. So they come back a couple of weeks ago, and I actually kicked them out of the shop. I said, you're going to have to have a warrant to come back. I said, if you want to look at, they come back for a new inspection for our shearing process. I said, we can look at the shearing process. That's it. You got 20 minutes. No, sir, Mr. Craig, we need all day. We need all day tomorrow. I said, nope, you're gone. You're kicking me out? Yes, sir, I'm kicking you out. Come back with a warrant. And we've yet to see him come back. So we'll see how that, that washes out. But I think at some point we have to stand up to these guys and tell them, look, you know, I, it's a free country. I'm not here to bend over for you. And I think they were a little surprised when we stood up to them, mm-hmm. and uh, especially when I started giving the John Galt speech. Well, we are coming up on a
1: commercial break, so folks, stay tuned, and we're going to talk a little bit about ballot access when we come back right here at org.
0: And now, back to org radio with Doug and Jesse King.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're here today talking with basically the Libertarian Party of Georgia. They're, they're here to help us uh, get the word out about what they're doing and how they were at the convention this last weekend, working hard to preserve gun rights and now lobby at the legislature. And I, I hear that you have a specific
2: issue that's taking the forefront in your fight on ballot access. We do. Um, a couple of good guys that are in the GOP uh, actually introduced a bill to help reduce ballot access um, barriers. John Fazold was one of them, who's a great guy. I think he's you know, been supportive of you guys in the past. Mm-hmm. It was H. Bill 58. It went to the Governmental Affairs Committee, and Ed Reiners is the guy that runs it. And I went down there, and we sit for about two hours. And I'm like, Ed, let's get this for a vote. Let's get it a vote. Ed's like, well, you know, I don't know. What do you got to trade? I'm like, what do you mean, what do you got to trade? We're talking liberty and freedom here. You know, when you go to the grocery store, you're excited that there's 42 choices of cereal. You would not be happy if it was only Frosted Flakes and Cocoa Pebbles. He goes, yeah, but I don't want to debate you, Doug. You're an a ex-military guy. You're on your own business. He says, the Republicans don't want to debate the Libertarians. It's not a great debate. When we debate the Democrats, it's obvious who's, where, where you stand. Mm-hmm. He said, for you guys, though, it's a little harder. We're not interested in giving up our vote to you guys. And I tried to explain to him the Libertarians actually almost pull equally from the left and right. I said there are statistics. Has,
1: if you're going to get anywhere, you have to. You have yes. to pull from both parties, otherwise, you're going to just split the
2: vote. Yeah, and we can't be Republican light. You're not going to get anywhere because then your people ultimately will go back to the Republican Party if you're just being Republican light. And basically, at the end of the day, he was not going to let it up for vote. So we've been out actively trying to change that. You know, talking to other guys to maybe get this to go to vote. But Ed Reiner is also the chair again this year. So we're going to have to see if we can get, get it up for vote. Let's back up a
1: second, because I'm sure a lot
2: of our listeners have no idea what ballot access actually means. Absolutely. In uh, 1943-ish, um, the Democrats passed laws to keep the communists, uh, the socialists off the ballot. And they made some very strict rules. You had to go out and get 5% of the signatures. And these uh, rules would go away if you ever get 20% in a presidential race or governor's race. Uh, in 2002, I ran for state house in Clayton County. It took me four months of going door to go door and get two thousand signatures. Um, it was very rough. the whole, The other time, the other guys are going to the VFW debates. They're going to meet Georgia Kerry folks. They're doing all these type of things. Well, I am going door to door saying, "Please, ma'am, can I get on the ballot?" and um, And most people don't realize how difficult we have not had a U.S. House candidate since nineteen forty three in Georgia. The next worst state is Kentucky, nineteen ninety two. We are fifty years the worst state in the country for ballot access. We are the equivalent. Of third world countries.
1: Okay, so basically, in order to get on the ballot in, in November for the general election, there's a whole list of criteria. These yes. criteria are waived for the two main parties. Any other party has to jump through a bunch of hoops, which
2: takes up time, resources, and money. Absolutely. And, it, I mean, it, it is a very difficult process. Um, We've done it a few times. 2004 was the last time a third-party candidate got on the ballot in Georgia for a a non-governor race. We're allowed to run for governor, but we can't run for dog catcher, which is very weird. So statewide, we're allowed on the ballot. But for the good local races that we can win, that we can afford to do, and build up a triple team to build up our... You know, when I'm running for governor, you're going to say, well, why didn't this guy run for state house? Mayor.
1: Well, mayor. State. Like, like Jesse Ventura. He yes. was first he was mayor of Brooklyn Park. Then he ran for governor, and he showed that he had a talk right. show, and he showed that he could do so, things.
2: I don't know. Everyone hates him now, but whatever. Well, you know, the thing <laughs> is, it... it, it It sets it up where we can't prove ourselves, and it makes it very difficult when I'm out there running for these big races. and You guys, why didn't you try the smaller races? And folks just don't understand. It is very difficult. The new ballot bill would reduce it from 5% to 1%. But there's something else they do in Georgia most people don't realize. When you run for governor, it's like $5,000 fees. The party gets back 75% of that money. So the Republicans are very happy when they have 12 candidates running for U.S. Senate because basically those guys are financing the state party. So
1: the individual candidates get the Republican nod to run as a Republican. They each pay $5,000. They get none of it back. The Republican Party gets 75% of it back,
2: and they're able to cover some of their their copier expenses. Or they give it to people like Johnny Isaacson. That's what they end up doing. So you may have a liberty candidate like a Derek Grayson running. He actually ends up supporting Johnny Isaacson two years later because they get that money back and use it on his race. And I don't think a lot of folks realize that's actually a barrier to keep you from running, but it also makes sure that the, the state parties of the Democrats and Republicans are, are getting fees from their candidates.
3: Now let's talk inflation for a second. When you talk about $5,000, how long has it been $5,000? Well, it's
2: actually basically about 3% of their yearly salary. So when a, somebody's a 3 to 4%, so if somebody, if the salary of governor pays 140000 it's 3%. So each one of those fees are slightly different. Okay. So like for state house, it's about a $400 So fee.
3: this isn't a set fee. It changes depending on what yes. that position pays. It is
2: based on the percentage of that, that salary. Gotcha. But it averages for the big races, governor senate averages about four
3: dollars to $5,000. The way I was seeing that was if that was $5,000 20 years ago, that's a lot more money than it is today. And
2: one of the things the libertarians have done over the years is we pay 75% of the fees for our candidates, or at least we attempt to. So when a guy runs for governor for us, we pay the first 75% because we know as a party we're getting it back because there's no reason to make that barrier. We want as many candidates as possible. The GOP gives a lot of lip service to the free market. But what you see is they do not want the free market when it comes to ideas. They try to shut out debate. And I think even if we don't win, us being in the debate helps. If you see two candidates that are talking about pro-gun laws, the, the people are going to see that if they've got one person. They, they become to look extreme, which they should when they're talking about you know getting rid of the rights of a gun owner. Mm-hmm. So I think for us and for the GOP, I think long term, it's good for the party. Now, we may have some different gr- disagreements on the war on drugs, the troops overseas, uh, marriage equality, but a lot of the important issues—the day-to-day stuff, the job market, inflation, gun, self-defense, where your kids go to school—typically on those issues, the GOP and the Libertarian eye, eye
1: Well, let's let's say that you could have all of your wishes granted today in one fell swoop. What would the legislature look like in? 2020 if you could just do what you wanted to do I'd well, be 100 percent libertarian if I could get, if I was to wish wish give it well but you say that you say that but why why do you think that and I know that you're you know because libertarian no, I'm obviously just better, kind of cutting up. but but why would a whole libertarian legislature in Georgia serve all of Georgians better than a divided legislature half Republican half Democrat?
2: well I think part of it is our thought process one of the things we think is that the power should be in the family should be in the individual. That's the way we always think. We never give lip service that. We really believe that you should be deciding what gun you own, where you carry it, what school your kids go to. We're not arguing over should we have charter schools for school choice. We're saying 100% of that decision should be with the family, with the individual. So every time there's a choice being made, we look at the individual first. The, the, the Republicans and Democrats both look at the state first. You know, the discussion is vouchers. You know, vouchers really are just food stamp for education. I mean, so the Republicans want to give lip service to vouchers, but at the end of the day, the parents should be 100%. Now, should we maybe still have some government schools? Possibility. That's a discussion we should have. But if you're in a county, your kids should be able to pick any school in that county, not just the one that happens to be on Elm Street, not the one that happens to be on 8th Street. You you should be able to go, if you like football, go to the school that has that. If you like music, go to the one that's that's doing that. It, It sounds a lot like if you
1: like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. But in the end, that's just not feasible because there's only, you know, like our good friend Bill Stanley is an excellent math teacher, not a great English teacher, excellent math teacher. And if every kid in Paulding County wants to be in his math class, it's not possible.
3: Well, it's not about picking your specific teachers more so as picking the school that has the programs that you need, but when so basically you have kids that are interested in the band, and some schools have stronger band programs than others, so the ones that excel in band. Would want to go there. Now, this also depends on a parent's ability to transport their kids yes. to and from school. So if you have to ride a bus, you're going to have to ride a bus to the school that the bus goes to.
1: But what my worry is is that some schools will rise above the rest. They will be the, the cream of the crop schools. And then you cannot simply open the door for 6,000 students to go to one school.
3: You're telling me that you believe that Georgia has the power to have a school that's considered cream of the crop?
2: Well, you know what else? I happen, at that idea. Well, here's the other thing that happens. Just like at a restaurant, we all would love to go eat it out back on Friday night at 8 o'clock, right? We we would love that. Mm -hmm. But when you get there and it's a two-hour wait or it's crowded and the waitresses are not quite giving you the service because it's overcrowded, you're going to make the next choice to go to the new mom-and-pop steakhouse down the street and give them a shot. If they're great, you're going to start going there. So what would happen is this math teacher would cause an influx, and at some point it would level off because he cannot be the great teacher to 500 students as he could to 50. So then all of a sudden that second choice becomes a better and better.
1: So you're saying that the the influx influx of volume would create the economies that you need to force the choice to move to other options? Yes, it would. Rather than economic pressure of not being able to
2: afford and it. And what you should see is if the, the students are going there and the money follows them, that that school would have more resources. And then you may end up seeing a super school in Cobb County if they're doing the right things. And that's fine. At the point, though, they're no longer the super school, people are going to start going to Elm Street Elementary instead of Third Street Elementary.
3: You may also Start seeing teachers that are paid what they're worth rather than what the average mm. teacher pay is in, in Georgia. So, the teacher that's the good teacher, the best teacher that's able to teach students and help students understand, may get a few thousand dollars more a month than the teacher that lets them draw pictures on the walls in the back of the classroom and eat their boogers. Well, I mean, let <laughs> really. me tell you, though,
2: guys, one of the things, though, that instead of really uh, fighting over the limited of resources that the state has for education, what I'd like to see is that as those resources expanded you know if I was going to talk to somebody I would ask Creflo Dollar why did you pray for a big jet why didn't you pray for some great schools in the inner city Great. <coughs> you, know, you know how much money could I mean the hundred million dollars we could have set up ten great schools in East Point College Park another question I ask if you're a preacher what's going on in your church Monday through Friday why is it empty why are you not setting up schools in these, in these churches you want God back in school and this is the perfect way to do it is get off your butt and start a school at your local church. Get the kids out of the government school. You can end up educating a child significantly cheaper than the state unit and get a better uh, education out of the gym.
1: And we see that all the time. We're coming up on another commercial break, folks. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: And now, back to GeorgiaCary.org radio with Doug and Jesse King.
1: Welcome back, everybody. When we took our break, we were just discussing how religion can be a vehicle... For better education in Georgia And I think that this is a fantastic direction One I wasn't expecting But
2: a fantastic direction to take the conversation in So Doug you were saying Well you know I just see these these buildings And you know, and the fact is my kids go to a religious school But I'm actually not very religious But I love the moral compass But I also hate seeing these folks complain Wanting certain things And all they do is sit on the couch And watch the Friends episode the 17th time in a row Look if you want something done You're going to have to get off the couch and do it You want your child to have God in their education You've got to make that happen. It's not the state's place to do it. It's your your place as the family and the parent to make that happen. And I think that as a society we have taken this, this idea that it's okay to
1: accept handouts. It's okay to accept welfare. It's okay to accept free school. It's okay to accept everything that's given to you. And if you want more or ask for more, then you have some sort of
2: delusions of privilege. You know, it's amazing how ingrained the state giving us money. I have a young kid that was interned, seventeen when he first started, he's twenty now, he's got a kid, and he's not married. And I said, Anthony, I said, how come you're not married? I said, I actually I said, don't I said don't tell me, I said, but look, you're not married because you're getting benefits from the state. I said, understand that they've dictated how you make your social choices. You haven't married the the love of your life because the state has interfered with this 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 interaction
3: and do you know how quick this ingrainment starts my niece is 13 and she come home from school and told my sister who has, works hard and does not accept any government handouts we've all always been a little too proud she's um she says mom do we have a card that buys our groceries And my sister says well absolutely not and she says well the girls at school says we do and that you just won't be honest with me about it that you're ashamed of it my sister's like, nope. We use my money out of the debit card, and she's like, and that's welfare. By the way, those those girls are talking about their mothers using welfare. It my goes, niece was astonished. It
1: goes up and down through social strata too. It's not just poor people. When I lived in Alaska, everybody got a dividend fund off of the permanent fund dividend every year. You get money from the government for just being alive. Woohoo!
3: From living in Alaska for the whole year.
1: Yeah, and so. You would think, okay, well, you know, it's not a lot of money. The, the most it was ever, it was like $3,000 per person one year. Most years, it's between $500 and $1,000. It's not a tremendous amount, especially when you consider that one of the people who was so excited about the dividend fund was the wife. She was a, a prominent prosecutor, the wife of a executive of British Petroleum they made millions of dollars a year but when her eight hundred dollars came in she was so excited she was going out and buying a handbag with that free money and i'm like seriously i mean you could get a handbag any day of the week without thinking about it why is this handout so exciting to you
2: because you didn't have to earn it it is amazing the circus that is involved with the handouts from the government but you know a lot of times we get excited about welfare and and you know like you guys, I do not like welfare. But sometimes we do forget that some of the biggest welfare recipients are not... Corporations. They're Yes, they are corporations. And, you know, I very quickly, if I had to pick first between e- ending corporate welfare or individual welfare, I would end the corporate welfare first. Because it's, if I'm looking at a single mom versus the CEO of General Motors, I'd rather see the single mom have food first. But the first thing I would say is, how come a single mom who works at Walmart making 400 who brings home 330 then has to go back to say... Please look and I have my seventy dollars back in the form of food stamps. Why don't we just have low taxes and then let them figure out how to spend the money? Well
1: we could eliminate tax we have eliminated taxes on a large portion, but they're still withholdings. And that's that's where it gets to be really ridiculous. And talking about corporate welfare, I mean we see that in every single strata, from baseball stadiums to, you know, in tax breaks to giving companies, you know, free, you know, no property taxes for ten years if they move to this city or that.
3: There's we lo- also government bailouts.
2: We lost one of the, the the best guys in the state house, pro-gun guys, over the baseball taxes, Charles Gregory, because he would not support the Braves being subsidized. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the person who knocked him off his seat was a person who was buying into corporate welfare. And that was a bad loss. And the gun rights people lost a, a ally, friend. a very good friend, because of corporate welfare. And we see this over and over again.
1: And it's not... It's not a Republican issue, it's not a Democrat issue, it's a government issue. And it's something that's kind of intrinsic to government. So when you sit here and tell me, if we had a whole bunch of libertarians in there, if we had a libertarian government that this stuff would
2: end, I'm a little incredulous. No, it, it, now I will tell you, it's, um, what happens a lot of times is we're looking at a world that was created by, by non-freedom. And sometimes it gets a little hard to solve the issues that we've created with using non-freedom. So, yeah, you would have some issues. For, I mean, the way that we designed the city, the zoning laws, I mean, a lot of that would have to be addressed, and it would be a long-term process of trying to figure that out.
3: This isn't a, we get into office and the next year it's all fixed. Woo-rah. Right. Right. It it's would a, be... we get into office and 50 years and later you, it's, it's almost fixed.
2: To be honest with you, early on, though, if you did have libertarians and you had three three parties in government, it would be easier... To, to, you know, sometimes to block the stuff or to get stuff forward. I mean, they would have to be looking at us to work deals out. And for us, you know, using liberties and freedoms are our first answers. And we would love to be able to be in that debate. Well, you see, that's
1: where I was going when I asked you, what is the ideal layout of the legislature in 2020? And what I feel is that if you had three parties, and I think the Libertarian is most likely to rise up to be a true third party, not just the de- derogatory third party title, But if you had the solid Republicans who have their beliefs, you have the solid Democrats who have their beliefs, and never the twain shall mix between the two, but then you have the libertarians kind of in the bottom third of the the circle that fill in some Republican views, some Democrat views, some both views, and then you can form coalitions around certain ideas that are more important. The Republicans could draw their extra, you know, to get to the two-thirds majority to have overriding veto and be able to get things done on some issues. The Democrats could also draw a two-thirds majority at that point,
2: pulling in all of the Libertarians to get them behind them. It is really funny at times when I sit down and talk to a Democrat and they, they don't realize the issues that the Libertarians agree with them on. All of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, you, you guys are pretty good on police brutality. You're good on you know bringing the troops home. but. With the Republicans, yes, we will work with them on gun rights, on lower taxes. And if you can there to be the in-between between a liberal Democrat and a conservative Republican say, look, these, these are what we need to sit down and talk about, and we need to figure this out as a group, where a Democrat and Republican may never sit down and have lunch. I could sit down with a Democrat and have lunch. Mm-hmm. I could sit down with a Republican and have lunch.
1: Well, you can build a coalition that would yes. be a true two-thirds majority to have consensus and to have something done. You could do it on you know, drugs. You could do it with a Democrat. You could do it on guns with a Republican. Yes. You can do it. And then suddenly we don't have 50-50 deadlock and such horrible division. Then it's, well, yeah, you're, you're, you're behind the times on this issue, or you're far too left on this issue, but a majority of Georgia... Believe in it, and then you can get things that are meaningful done without sacrificing basically the, the ability of government to do anything. And I think that that's something that really needs to start happening. And we all the time we hear, "I'm so fed up with government because it's deadlocked. The country is too deeply divided.
2: We can't get anywhere because everyone's deeply divided." But that's not really true, is it? No. I tell you what. I don't know if you know, the last highest elected official in, uh, for the Libertarian Party was here in Georgia. A guy by the name of Ben Brandon, some folks in the gun industry know him because he's, he's really a pro-gun guy. He was the county commission of Dade County, Georgia. He went out and got his petitions done. He got elected as the chairman of that county. So he shows up at the state house to get the, the funds for the roads, for the police. And basically the Democrats and Republicans told him there's no libertarian line. We're not going to get your checks cut. He ultimately had to switch parties to the GOP, and after that, he did not run for reelection. And he was well-liked and loved in his county. Mm -hmm. But he says, I'm not going to sell out. He says, but this this temporary, I'm going to sign up as a GOP so I can get the money for our county that we paid into. But it's, you know, the fact is they're going to make it very difficult. And when you first start seeing the Libertarians win – you're going to see the Republicans, Democrats, spend a lot of money to make sure that, that it's very difficult on us. So in a
1: lot of ways, like constitutional carry, you've got to lay some groundwork before yes. you get there. Yes. And that
2: groundwork is ballot access. And right now we're hoping to have some progress. Uh, I was very, very happy with some of the guys we've talked to. Um, we've had some Democrats that are willing to support it. We've got a lot of Republicans willing to support it, and it's really kind of amazing when you see the Republicans because they don't really – they don't have to cut the deal with us. I mean, they control – they almost got a supermajority. Mm-hmm. If they had a one last week, they would have had a supermajority, but uh, they had a bad candidate. But the thing is, I think we're going to make progress, especially when they people start realizing this is one of the worst states in the country, literally – Cuba has one less candidate than we do. Venezuela has one less candidate than we do. You know, and when you go to places like Britain or Japan or France, you know they have seven or eight people running. And the reality is, even when you have an open marketplace for candidates, you don't see a million people running because you still have to pay the fees. Mm-hmm. you still got to do the work. So they're not going to see a massive – if tomorrow morning we had equal ballot access, you're not going to see a million libertarians go out there and run for office. You know, you may see a few, the first couple of cycles, then it's going to be kind of normal because we're going to run to win the races. We're not going to want to go out there and run a thousand cases, you know, um, races. So it's, uh, you know, I think, and I do think it would be good for Georgia. It's, uh, I always remember we had a race for lieutenant governor a few years ago. Uh, The big guy was the candidate and we had a guy named Herbie Galloway running. And the the big, big guy, Taylor, was just going on and on. It was some kind of personal. And our guy finally said, blah, 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 blah. If this is what we were going to hear, I could have sit at home and drank a beer and watched the Falcons game. And, you know, he kind of hit that nerve of we're not here to debate, you know, your social life, your personal life. We want to talk about bringing jobs to Georgia. We want to talk about freedom. We want to talk about liberty. We want to talk about the unemployment rate and the inflation rate. And these guys want to talk about what did their daddies do? What did their wives do? And our candidate, I think, really hit the nail on the head. And when that happened, the people that run the debate said, oh, my gosh, we've let this debate get out of control. And they started asking issue-oriented questions. And that's what you need. A third-party candidate brings that often where he makes a debate about issues because when we run, we run on issues. Okay, folks, we got
1: another commercial break. We'll be right back.
0: Back to Georgiacarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Doug Craig from the Libertarian Party talking about ballot access, about getting good people elected and how things are kind of needing to be changed in Georgia in a lot of ways. And it's important to get involved. In order to, to get anything done, you've got to get involved and get ready. And Jesse, wh- what's the most important organization to get involved with? dot
3: GeorgiaCary.org. Of course. Who else was I going to say? The NRA. Not exactly. <laughs> so Georgiacarry.org, you can become a member for $20 a year, and that $20 goes to help change the horrible laws that are left in Georgia. Although Georgiacarry.org has made great strides in changing our gun laws, we've still got a long way to go.
1: And to prevent a backsliding. You know, like, like anybody, any good Baptist, slide into the back of the, the pews, we've got problems with the legislature wanting to slide back and put more laws on the books again.
3: Wow. So anyway, to join org, you can go online and you can sign up, of course, at org, And the fee's $20. Or you can go to any of our local chapter meetings and sign up. You also have local gun stores, gun ranges, et cetera, that have membership applications that sign up. You can also contact membership at GeorgiaCarry.org.
1: Not only that, you know, if you're if you're one of the higher ups in society, living in Buckhead, or the leader of a Libertarian Party, you can always make a lifetime donation of five hundred dollars and never have to worry about paying a due again.
3: And what do you get in return? Well, you get this nice GeorgiaCarry.org pocket knife and hat and all kinds of goodies. And you for- get to
1: meet people at the convention, all the movers and shakers behind the scenes, and press the flesh, and, and all sorts of great things. So yes, um, go to a Gun Show go to a festival sign up on georgiacarry dot org become a member, get involved, get the emails, contact your legislatures, maybe some libertarians in the future so doug, uh, before we we did our membership drive like PBS here what what do you want to do to get more people?
2: Into the legislature from the Libertarian right, Party. What there? do people need? Before to- I go there, I'm gonna give you guys. A plug. I've been a member for over six years, so I, it is it is the best twenty bucks you will ever spend if you're a gun person. I mean, it's I've been super excited to to spend that twenty dollars. I mean, it's it is a is a great twenty bucks. We're going to be doing a fundraiser um, here in a couple of weeks. It's um, to find out more information, you go to GoFundMe.com backslash GA ballot. Um, our Senate candidate from last time was Amanda Swalford. She is going to be doing a mystery dinner. So we're we're having a little fundraiser where you're actually going to get to sit in the mystery dinner. It's going to be done by professionals that do this all the time, and the money that's going to be used that we make from that is going to be used to help fight for ballot access, either running commercials or ads and that type of thing. So when is this coming up? I don't know the exact date. Let's see if she's got it written down here. I don't have it. Out September nineteenth. I what oh, I do. Day before it's, my birthday. It's there we go. Uh, up in Jefferson. So it's a murder mystery dinner. Uh, a lot of folks are excited. Uh, Amanda Swaffer was a great candidate, one of the most pro-second candidates that have run in a long time. Very true. I met Amanda a couple of times, and she's she goes to the conventions. She's
1: very active. She's very uh, upfront with her views and, and a very
2: straightforward person, which is refreshing from a political candidate. So we're, we're kind of excited. We're, we're going to have some progress. Worst case is we're going to do some education for the next year or two before it passes. But I believe it's going to be like with Ron Paul and the Federal Reserve where nobody knew about it 10 years ago and all of a sudden now everybody realizes it. I think that's going to happen in Georgia when it comes to ballot access. And I think when people realize that our government, is, you think you have the right to vote, but when you don't have any any process of the selection, when you're you're cut off from who you can vote for, you really don't have the right to vote when there's only two choices there. And there should be three, four, five choices.
1: Well, this is something that is a very grassroots thing. I mean, most of what Georgia Carey has done has been grassroots. The way it changes is by getting the thousands of calls to the legislators, the the tens of thousands of calls to the governor with the emails and the letters and the follow-up and the people standing outside. That makes a change.
2: And so that's what needs to happen here. And you think about it, Georgia Carey is what, seven, eight years old? Eight. Eight years old. And the, the amount of effort that they put in and the changes they've done in eight years. It's awesome. I mean, it's unbelievable. So never forget that it doesn't take long to make a change. If you're willing to get there and get off the couch, you can make a change very quickly if you get the right people and the right message. Whether you
1: historically vote Republican, historically vote Democrat, historically don't vote, this is an issue that you can get behind and get onto our legislatures about, about let's just open up the
2: doors to let some people run if they want to run. Absolutely. And like I said, I think people will be happy to. (coughs) The fact is, when I get on the ballot, and you support ballot access doesn't mean you support the Libertarian Party, the Green Party, the Constitution Party. It means you support options and choices and freedom. And at the end of the day, that's what we want to see here' is more options, more freedom, more liberty. Like like John Belushi in college, you support party. Yes, <laughs> So it's uh, so we're looking forward to it, and hopefully you'll see me in two thousand eighteen on the governor's race. It looks like I'm going to be running for governor for the state of Georgia for the Libertarians. Well, would you be willing to come back on our show? Oh yeah, absolutely. It it and we're looking. My thing is when I run for office, which I've done a couple times, is to have fun with it. But go ahead and spread the the liberty message. Say, look, I may not win this time, but it's up to you to, to rule your life to be the self governor of your own life, and that's mostly what I'm going to be trying to spread is. It's up to you to make those choices, so not the, the state. The
3: way I see this is you have to run to win. It's kind of like playing the lottery. You can't expect to win the lottery unless you buy that ticket. you got to be
2: in it to win it. Right. Well, the fact is that on November there will only be three choices or four choices or five choices. You're in the game. At the end of the day, if something happens, you, you are playing. But for me, I'm not going to be in the, under the pressure that we really have this serious chance of winning is that we want to go out there and spread liberty message. Because at the end of the day, if they take my message and run with it, and I can go home and fish with my daughters or shoot shotguns with my kids, I'd rather be on the river. I'd rather be down at the WMA at the end of the day. No kidding. So, I mean, that's ultimately what I want is for me to be able to be left alone and do as I please as long as I don't hurt anybody. Let me ask you this, Doug. Do you carry a firearm? I do, um, especially because I work in East Point. Um, If I'm carrying um, open, which I do, it'll be a SIG 1911, a pack. And if I'm carrying, hidden, it's a Springfield XDS. See, right. now
0: he
3: just answered that 1911 versus Glock question you like to ask all our guests. Yep, right,
2: right on. Oh, well, the I nose. Well, I will tell you, if I'm shooting for um, for accuracy, the 1911 is significantly more accurate than any gun that I own. If I want ha- to have hidden, it's one thing. But also, I like my Springfield XDM that holds 19 rounds. So that's kind of nice enough. But when I was at the, at the convention, I had my SIG, and... I feel comfortable at 100 yards, I can shoot the target with my my 1911. Yeah, well, 1911
1: has the the history and battle proven to to get the job done, that's for sure. And the amount of effort that's gone into tuning them these days is phenomenal. I mean, they're a different gun than they were even 20 years ago. So – We've got someone here, Jesse, who is excited about making Georgia a better place. And I think that this is something that's really interesting for our show to explore because, you know, we talk about guns and guns is definitely a way to make every Georgian safer and to have them more involved in their legislature and get things rolling. But until we have open ballots where everybody who wants to have a voice can have the ability to go out there and realistically work towards that goal of being on a ballot. Where are we going to be?
3: Well, we're not going to get anywhere unless we can get our candidates on the ballot.
1: And we have some great candidates who are Republicans. We've got some great candidates who are Democrats. We have some horrible candidates who are Republicans. And we have some horrible candidates who are Democrats. And I would like to see some great libertarians run against some horrible Republicans and some great libertarians run against some horrible Democrats so we could have great Republicans, great Democrats, and great libertarians and a great legislature.
3: The way I see this is even if they were bad libertarians, a bad libertarian's better than a good Democrat any day. (laughs) Well, I,
1: I disagree wholeheartedly on that. If you give me a Democrat who's going to stand up for, for gun rights and stand up for liberty and stand up for freedom and stand up against oppression, I'll take them over a bad libertarian. I'll take any good candidate.
3: I'll give you a Democrat, that, or I'll see your Democrat, that'll stand up for gun rights, and I'll raise you a leprechaun.
1: Anyway. <laughs>
2: Uh, Any final comments, Doug? (laughs) No, if you want to learn more, uh, go to lpgeorgia.com or look us up on Facebook. We have one of the most active Facebook. You can just type in Libertarian Party of Georgia. Um, You'll have our events there. We have some cool articles. Sometimes we'll do some Reason and Cato uh, stuff on the Facebook. We'd love to have you join the party. Uh, It's $25 a year. But most, I want you to get active. More than anything, I want you to realize it's your job to govern your life. It is not the state's job. As much as I would like to see you be a libertarian, I'd rather for you to fight for liberty solo than not fight at all.
1: Will we start to see some libertarian candidates show up at these local chapter meetings that we're
2: doing? I hope so, and I think you already have some showing up. Sometimes they're just not telling you that they're libertarians. I'm sure uh, y'all have got a couple of board members that I personally know that are on our board. So it's, sometimes it's just um, – sometimes they keep it a little on the quiet side because it's not politically correct sometimes. It's like coming out of the closet sometimes. uh <laughs> people are not as friendly to the libertarian party members as we would like them to be but it's uh, you've got your share of libertarians in the in Georgia Kerry. and uh probably as we get more ballot access well, you'll see more we
1: know more. a
3: couple of them we, well, do. We, yeah. we
2: are we are coming up on the end of the show
1: so I want to thank you Doug for being here in order to make you feel a little bit more comfortable and at home I'll try to kick you out of the office as soon as we're done here so you can get the, the full libertarian effect but we really appreciate you coming on the show I appreciate it guys. Uh, we will have you back when you're running for governor in a couple of years and we'll revisit some of these issues then to see where we've gotten. Folks, this has been another week here on GeorgiaCarry.org radio. Please do get involved. If you're getting involved with the libertarians or the republicans or the democrats just get out there and do something in the meantime join a local chapter meeting Get with your kids out get your family out talk to your neighbors get shooting put some lead downrange, and have a great weekend because that's what we're really about is having more freedom to enjoy ourselves and be out in, in in the great outdoors and and feeling safe when we go to our work and to our schools and everywhere we go so enjoy your weekend and we will be back same bat time same bat channel next week
0: this has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8, right here on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.